0: You're listening to the Impact Theory Podcast, your source of empowering ideas and actionable techniques from the world's highest achievers. Join host Tom Billieu, serial entrepreneur and co founder of the billion dollar brand Quest Nutrition, on a journey to unlock your potential and realize your vision of success. Welcome to Impact Theory. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Relationship Theory. It is so good to be back and yeah. live, and I am your co-host, Tom Bilyeu. I am here with the lovely and talented and amazing, beautiful person that I got to spend a lot of quality time with recently, Lisa Billu.
1: What's up, peeps? And
0: before we get into Ooh. it, can we just say, for those of you who don't know, her new podcast, Sheroic with Cassie Ho, yeah. is now live, and on the day that they launched, they rocketed right to number one in health. So, yay! yay! Mad kudos to you, my love. <laughs> Very impressive. Thank Very you. great the feedback you've been getting is smash bang amazing so yeah it's It's been
1: been, it's been quite a ride and um obviously super excited about the release we've been working so long you've been talking about it for like two months when we first started it and so now kind of being out there and getting the feedback has been amazing um but to be honest the biggest thing was like the way it all happened so i was super stressed that we were releasing it when we were away i mean that Mm. was like so stressful for me yeah But there was something about being away with you in, like, this beautiful country. Like, it was just amazing and spectacular. And then we went and celebrated in the evening, just me and you. And I don't think we would have done that if we were here. I think we would have just gone in hustle work mode. Like, I I would have worked all day. I probably wouldn't have said two words to you. Mm. And then, you know, I would have just gone to bed because I was shattered. But because we were away, even though I was working a lot, we kind of then just took that evening to go and truth and it's like when you're working you're looking at this beautiful ocean you've got yachts around you it was of, cool yeah ocean. no
0: question wow so. you like booby-trapped yourself i over know there. <laughs> i have all right what you got for us all all right. Let's start strong homie yeah
1: let's start um all right so first question via email yes, please. hey lisa and tom thank you for giving us friendly advice and being so raw and real weekly i'm currently working on my vows Tying the knot next weekend. Oh, we may have missed it. Oh, no. Oh, no. I just realised. Sorry. Um... But if we haven't, then hopefully this will help you. And I'm curious about what you both might suggest as must-haves when articulating this commitment. Mm. Of course, vows are very personal. So if you could talk about your must-haves or what you would have liked to express when you were married, that would be great. Um, Thank you again. Can't wait to hear the new podcast, Lisa. Thank you. Jane Pelk from Nova Scotia, Canada.
0: Nice. Nova Um, Scotia in the house.
1: Yeah. So... There's a question for you.
0: Indeed. Do you want to kick it off? Well, so I
1: guess we should say we didn't write our own vows. We got married in a Yeah, the Greeks don't play that game. (laughs) Like,
0: let me tell you, right here and right now, I felt like I was getting married in like the 1500s. It was crazy. They were speaking ancient Greek. So it wasn't even like... So you got to imagine the guys with the big beards and the huge robes and the tall hats. (laughs) It was... I mean, for you, it'd be less weird. But for me, it was like, where am I? They don't do rehearsals, so I'd never seen any of it. I had no idea where I was supposed to be, when I was standing. None of that. And they don't, like, all the traditional cues for me growing up, like the Here Comes the Bride song, and they start playing it, and everybody stands. None of that existed. And they were waving, like, smoke, and, like, chanting. It was actually amazing, and precisely because it was so different, there was, like, a real... Um, weightiness to it like it took on it felt like a ritual in a way that like you're sort of everyday Sunday church like wouldn't have for me not if we had you know gotten married like what I grew up with being used to which is very informal it's in a church but it like has that sort of colloquial vibe like a lot of times the whoever's officiating is like cracking jokes and stuff they didn't fucking play. Like, mm-hmm. there was none of that. It was super ritualistic, which I loved and was so meaningful mm-hmm. to me. Um, so that was amazing.
1: And if anyone's seen my Big Fat Greek Wedding, that basically was our life.
0: You 100%. got You got christened. But do they show the wedding in that? I don't they remember. They do, but
1: people spit on her. as She walks down the aisle. People didn't spit on me. I would have been horrified.
0: They spit on me, though, but I don't think that was part of the ceremony.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, was it? Um... So, So,
0: yeah, that was incredibly ritualistic, which was really, really important to me. And so, like, this really reminds me how long I've been thinking about this stuff. So when I read The Power of Myth by mm -hmm. Joseph Campbell, we were, we, I don't think we were even engaged yet. So we were dating. I think
1: we were. Wasn't it Jupiter? Yeah.
0: So it was early in our relationship. How about that? And read it and he talks about how one of the reasons that he believes that um, marriage as an institution is sort of failing is because there's no like threshold that you cross that really makes you a different person from one day to the next. There's no coming of age ritual. There's no like heavy um, transformational ritual between your, you know, the day before you're married and the day after. And so I didn't want to fall prey to that. And I wanted to find a way to supercharge our wedding. Um, And so that was unexpected the just how ritualistic Mm. it all felt to me. But then also the tattoo. Now, while we didn't do our own vows because they don't play. If you could go back,
1: would you like and they said, "Okay, you can keep the ritualistic stuff, but you could write your own vows versus not. Would you?
0: Yeah, probably. Yeah. If they were like, you have the option, then I would. Yeah, for sure.
1: um i don't know because i find things like that a little uncomfortable for me
0: just like the speaking
1: no i think it's because i so like what i feel inside is so intimate right that kind of saying it out loud in a way that everyone will get i don't know it becomes a little like in that environment like i've got that one moment that i have to say everything i'm feeling like that pressure of
0: you'd rather be silent
1: Uh, I mean, here's here's also the truth. You're so good at writing that I would want to make sure that I go first, (laughs) (laughs) right? I would want to say my vows first and then it would be like if I didn't hit it, it's like I'm performing whereas my wedding isn't really... It's not about a performance. It's about being with my husband and making those sacred vows that Mm. I will hold on to. So if I'm then nervous about having to do my... like, And that's why, thank God, I didn't have to do a speech. If I had to do a speech, like I would have... I would have been so in my own head about the speech that I don't think like the day would have felt like it was. I wouldn't be able to focus on you're becoming my husband. I don't know. It just would have interesting messed interesting because me. I did
0: have to do a speech yeah. and it didn't have that effect on me. Which is interesting. So anyway, back to the question. So yeah. I wanted to... Um, Get this tattoo, which really ended up, it is what my vows would have been. So it's not hard for me to figure out what mm. I would have written for my vows. So um, the tattoo, which I thought of as a ritualistic scarification, which was very important to me to go through that for it to be something painful for it. To, like I have no interest in tattoos. I had never intended to get a tattoo. So that for me wasn't like a, a sort of low barrier to entry, mm. like putting me in context of Um, being absolutely at that time, I'm not anymore, but at that time I was legitimately phobic of needles and it was the fact that it was needles. It was like facing one of my really great fears. So, um, that it was a needle, that it was painful, that it was permanent, that I had no intention ever of getting one for like decorative, cool purposes. And I mean, to show how true that is, she has like, in her feminine, wily ways, really tried to get me to get more tattoos. I love tattoos, and I'm just like that. It's not my shtick, right? Yeah. So no I've interest. tried
1: every pro- probably every trick that a woman could try to be basically,
0: yeah, yeah, fair enough. And, and even, also- even that, but to me, that would also diminish right. like the. But in
1: all fairness, it's not like I just want you to get like a dragon on your back. It was
0: just a big mural of your face. I know, it's all, <laughs>
1: it's all good. <laughs>
0: That says fuck off? Is that comma bitches? Like, is that, that was the thing? No, I'm totally (laughs) teasing. Um, So, yeah, that was, like, I didn't want other tattoos, so it really forced me to stop and think about um, what that whole process was for me, Mm -hmm. what it meant for me, what was I committing to all of that Mm. and I designed the tattoo and so a lot of thought went into that and it was just really interesting from the fact that it's a circle which to mirror the wedding ring and meant to be a symbol of infinity and there's no end no beginning and um, there were four points on the tattoo which were my things which were love passion commitment and respect and those are still like to me just the absolute foundation of any relationship and while I'm sure people would surprise me with insights if they were to pick, like you couldn't pick those four. What would you pick? And I'd be blown away. Um, and if I rem- oh, I, I remember correctly. Originally it was eight. Yeah, and they and the tattoo artist was like, dude, I refuse to do that yeah. because it will, um, like, you won't be it able to read it blur in five years because yeah, it would be so small. Exactly. And it forced me. Like, what are the four? bedrock things. I wish I still had the original right, so design I'd be very again. curious. Um, love, passion, commitment, and respect. Right.
1: And you had them in Greek. What was yes. your feeling behind that?
0: Um, that was a, a nod to you. At the time, I, I mean, maybe spoke a couple words, but hadn't really clicked over into that, like, I'm going to learn this for my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that made it so you, and that I loved. And, you know, thinking about it, Like, having something that is just, like, unabashedly about that person, that's what really made it meaningful.
1: Mm -hmm. And if you... So then, if you had to, with those four words, Mm -hmm. give a one-liner... I'm going to limit you to one line. So imagine it's your vows. You've got, like, a limited time. You use those four words. One-liners, what would you do? Or say, I should
0: say. Um, Well, like, what are they? To define them, you mean? Yeah.
1: Like, towards me.
0: Yeah. So... Well, this is good. This is good on you. Uh, love is the, the sort of divine spark. I think that's the easiest way. There's something ineffable about it. It taps into a part of the brain that's never touched by anything else. The not even like even a, a child. I would imagine is very different. A parent is very different. There's the love for somebody um, where it's it's also a physical union. Is just different. It's unlike anything I've ever experienced. And I remember my mom saying to me, "You'll know you're in love when you feel like there's no way anyone else in the world has ever felt this for another person." And in fact, mom, mad respect, that may be one of the like most insightful things anyone has ever said to me because I remember when I. First realized I was in love with you, I thought there's no way. the world wouldn't function. like people can't feel like this about people. it's so intense and all all-consum- all consuming it's just it's not possible. Like nobody in Wall Street is feeling like this. like the president wouldn't be able to do his thing like there's no way. and so that's when I knew this is love, and that like early stage. Feeling is so amazing and so interesting and fascinating and the way that love evolves over time is incredible and amazing and it remains the divine spark so even though for me and i don't believe in god so it's not a religious thing it's the to me divine is the ineffable there's clearly something about this universe the human experience all of it that i don't understand like hey let's get really weird for a second i've been researching multiple uh multi-dimensions dimensions higher than the four dimensions that we understand and the, it can actually be explained. Like, I thought, no one's ever going to be able to explain these, these other dimensions. They can. It's crazy. Drop it into YouTube. So, anyway, like, that, there's clearly, like, things that I don't understand. And to me, the way that love is and that it evolves and all that is, is the closest thing I can experience to a non-religious sense of divinity. It's just unbelievable. Um, and I love the way that it changes over time. Passion, I literally meant that romantic, fiery, sexual passion, like, and I never wanted to lose that. And I knew that that and love are so like brain chemistry dependent, like they will come and they will go. Mm -hmm. Right. So think about a time when you're, um, you have food poisoning, you're doubled over in pain. The sex is like the last thing from your mind. Now there are a thousand shades of that from stress, anxiety, overwhelm, all of it, Mm -hmm. depression, sadness, There's times where you're just not going to feel sexual. So you cannot just wait for it to happen. Mm. Like you've really got to keep touch, intimacy, sexuality, like something that you force to be at the forefront of your relationship. Um, Especially because, look, you know me like I'm super um, realistic. If you take a, a prairie vole, I can't remember if it's prairie voles or... Anyway, it's a rodent that they did this test on. And you put them in a cage with a female, they'll have sex once and stop. But if you put a new female in, it'll have sex again right away. Put a new female in a third time. It's, I can't remember how many times, but it, like, it keeps going and going. But if you had left the same female in, it wouldn't. Now, humans fall sort of in the middle of monogamy, and you can just base it on the way that the genitalia is. You can tell that we sort of fall in the middle. Um, so, like, monogamy is not impossible for us, but it doesn't necessarily come as our default position. So, going into a marriage and saying, okay, I'm going to be monogamous with this person, like, that... How do I cope with that? There has to be mechanisms because it's not necessarily going to be my default position. From an impulse perspective, it certainly won't be that way all the time. So, like, how do I make sure that we keep? You said one sense. This has turned into a fucking novel. I was going to say it really has. Um, I didn't want to interrupt so, yeah, you, but I apologize. You gotta, you gotta I lost. I lost. <laughs> now, just imagine me saying this in front of the church. Everybody, let me explain this. <laughs> These are my vows. It's eight hours broken into chat. Child- Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. There's get comfortable.
1: <laughs> and people say the Greek um, ceremonies along. Man, right. you would have made. Yeah,
0: that would be terrible. Okay, people so I'll give you the other on. two in one sense. So that was passion. I could literally. But keep just going. and
1: there's one thing that you said there. So I'd read somewhere. Oh, I can't remember where I read it. But about um, feeling connected with somebody, like you need like um, one-on-one contact, mm, like actual oxytocin. intimacy, like the skin yep, touch skin for more skin. than thirty seconds. I think it's different
0: for men and women, but yeah. But
1: I think it was for women, it's like 30 seconds. So when I heard that and read it, literally, I kept coming up to Tom and I kept, right, I kept hugging you. Like from, you're brushing your teeth and I would just like, okay, now's Mm. the time. So I would just hold on and I would actually count just making sure that like I was doing it right, the obsessiveness in me. So I would hold on to you. And then as I was counting, I almost forgot to count. You know, it's like when you're trying to count sheep. I stopped counting because I really did start to just sink into you and mm. then start like smelling you and even though literally you're brushing your teeth and you're like moving around and it's, it's I still really did get it and so I actually haven't um, done it in like a week or two but like every day especially when I was feeling stressed or especially mm. when I was feeling overwhelmed or not connected with you because you had so much business stuff going on I had things going on we didn't really see each other Um, and so that really works. Like it really did. I need to remind myself to do that again, but yeah, just like the passion and the chemicals and all that.
0: Nice. All right. Last two short in front of the church. Um, respect, I think goes without saying like you have to, a, if you don't respect the person, don't marry them. Uh, and then make sure that you maintain that respect. Um, and I'll call that equality. Like Mm. that would be another word for that. And then, which is very important to me, and That's I'm very tempted to go on a very long tirade that was about good, that. Um, and then, commitment is you're going to turn into a bag of wrinkles. Um, there's going to be times where you piss me off, and there's going to be times where you break my heart a little. And through all of that, you need to know that I'm going to be a rock, mm-hmm. that I'm going to. Um, do whatever mending has to be done, that since it takes two to tango, it's not enough, like if you've been the one to hurt me, it's not enough that you apologize, I have to be open to accepting that and building the bridge and moving forward.
1: Yeah, I think so many couples do that where they'll just apologize just to like, stop the argument or stop that bad situation, or they feel bad so they just like, you know, wanna right. make that person feel better. Um, A, I don't think that actually resolves the issue, um, if you're not sincerely, you know, you actually mean it. Um, but also I find that, um, oh God, I lost my train of thought.
0: It's a good time to practice.
1: Yeah. Um, oh, oh. <laughs> but
0: you're right. A lot of people do that. They they do the apology just to like move on. Oh, I was...
1: the forgetting thing. So like a lot of people, they'll say, okay, like no problem. Let's move on. But they don't forget. And it becomes like that one straw on the see. back Right. And so people, if you the don't, dust settles. yeah, if you don't actually deal with the issue and you just say, sorry, and you kind of just leave it at that or like, oh, okay, let's just forget it. Like, right. and I've tried to do that in the past and it doesn't work. Like just saying, oh, it doesn't Because you still remember because you haven't resolved the issue. So you take, you know, a marriage that you want to go on for a lifetime. Um, That weight starts like, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. So we always make sure that we address those issues as they come up and that we never apologize unless we really mean it or we just discuss it. But it's never like, oh, don't worry about it. Let's just forget it. Like, we Mm. never say that because it never resolves. Truth. Nice. All right, so we've got some questions. Thank you guys for submitting. And you'll notice
0: she never had to say what her vows would be. It's very smooth of her. But I was the one that
1: said advice. that I wouldn't say my own vow. So, yeah,
0: you're going to stick to that? Well, forever? plus, also,
1: they've got questions coming in. All so, right, I right. want to yeah, yeah. make sure that we get to them. Um, we <laughs> the team has criticized us for only getting through one or two. I think
0: questions. it's fair criticism.
1: Um, um, all, right. Ah, all right, Mike Burkus. Thank you, Mike Burkus. What's up, Mike? Um, do you have plans to renew your vows every so often as a reminder of the ritual and intention behind it all? Um, yeah, I'm just going to go first. because Yeah, I think you should. No. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Renewing vows to me, it feels very modern, like as a reminder of like, see, I do love you. And because obviously the ritualistic thing of getting mm. married and it being for life... Um, like I really meant that. And so for me, I don't need to renew my vows to know how you feel about me. To me, that's an everyday act, right? It's kind of like the, um, the couple who may have like, they've not been getting along and it's been like nine months of like turbulence. And then they're like, okay, let's go away because that will solve all problems, right? Just changing your location doesn't solve your problem. And so the vows, even what you just said, those four things, we make sure we embody those every single day. Because if you... Well, I
0: do. You don't have (laughs) vows. Yeah,
1: that's true. (laughs) But like, it just, I think that it loses a, at least for me, and this is only for me, it loses the meaning of that one day that we got married and we made that, that commitment. That's so
0: you. That is so you. I should have been able to predict that answer yeah. because of that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. And I think a lot of people do it to um, reignite their love. And I get it. Like, if that is what they need Better to do. Better than nothing, of, right? Right, exactly. Do like if, if that's what you need to then set a fire under your ass and then go, okay, we're starting from scratch. This is our opportunity to make a difference. Yeah. Like, I totally respect that. Um, it's just not how I think. I think that for me it is very important that we work on it Every single day, and um, yeah, stay true to those vows we made when we became different people. When I became Mrs. Billy, instead of Miss Charalambus. Um, yeah, I hold very tight to it. Yeah, I'm very it's funny
0: that some people are hearing your maiden name for the first time. Going, Charalambus, what the hell? Yeah, um,
1: Serena, no. what about you?
0: Oh, a hundred percent, I would do it. You would renew absolutely, it sounds so beautiful and so romantic. To like yes. re like do a big to do and all that, but I'm so lazy, it's never gonna happen. So and then, why
1: wouldn't you just do a big anniversary party? What's the difference?
0: Um, I don't know. I I totally buy into like the renewing of vows and like recontextualizing it for where you're at in your life. And like, so take for instance, if you've got the four sort of bedrock beliefs about what a relationship is, and that's never gonna change but then you've got the the other four that you loved and were about to get tattooed but you removed them because they're not <laughs> quite bedrock like maybe There's those four chance. maybe those four change over time you know what I mean like i don't even remember what they were hmm. so but i really think and look i'm realistic enough to know that maybe i wouldn't come up with the exact words that i chose again but those four concepts to me are they are central to my life. Mm. I mean, they're so central to our relationship. It's not like I have to look at my tattoo and remember what it says. I j- I remember. Those are just like, yes, those are the four things that are sort of the four truths that any relationship should sit on top of. Um, but I, I'm like a total romantic. No, so for me.
1: Now, I'm not giving you what you want. I'd do it for you. No, no. no. Here's the thing. It just As wouldn't you- mean anything to <laughs> me. <laughs>
0: that's amazing that is amazing i can just see your like blank face i like your shirt says i'm here with him you know it's like i don't care none of this means anything
1: but i did for you you Isn't would it is absolutely <laughs> and that is it is very you
0: but that the truth of like when you were saying it i thought it's so romantic i love the idea mm-hmm. but When you said you didn't want to, I thought, thank God, we don't ever (laughs) have to plan this or actually do it. So I love the notion, but not enough to actually follow through with it.
1: Yeah. all oh, right, I got another really good question. Right, let's, um, let's have a couple of shout outs, actually. Um, we got Thomas Henrik from Cincinnati in the house. Uh, Thank you. seen
0: him in the comments before. Ali
1: Kwisum Nakvi from London Meetup. Well, meet whoa, well, well, that's,
0: that's Ali. That's like our boy.
1: Ah. So, oh,
0: what's up, Ali? How you doing? From
1: London Meetup.
0: Yes, he was there. Well, he's from way before that. He was doing the. Um, Grinding, cute Instagram, mm, like he's OG. Cool. He's All right. OG. Nice. And hopefully, Lyle. like Cindy's not here today, but hopefully he's um, hooked up with her. I think he's gonna run our London meetups. Wow, that so. would be
1: cool. Yeah.
0: So mad love to Ollie.
1: Lyle Martin from Baker- Bakersfield.
0: Bakersfield Suck- in the house, Jared.
1: Suck. Beer Agent Smith, Sing. one of your peoples
0: in the. Uh, we- really it was Agent Jared undercover, right? <laughs> and what'd you say? His name is Suck
1: Singh. Suck Singh Sing Suck Thine, beer? from New York City Wow NYC And yeah, what's up? Deborah Gonkals Alkimin From Edmonton wow. Canada
0: We got some real names Yeah to be honest It's today. actually
1: It's a good brain test It is Because I'm sure I butchered All of those I'm And I'm gonna sorry people I'm going to guess It's 100% correct But yeah, that I <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The correct that I failed About the time oh. you're like
0: uh, raw, I think we can assume yeah. And look good news just is bad, People so used to
1: butcher My last name So I did. Um, Yeah that they do. Um all right, so another question. This is actually from Ali. Really like this question. What's your view on saying don't go to sleep until you've made you've made up from an argument? Doesn't it make sense to talk about things when you're both emotionally calm and rested rather than trying to resolve things when you're both probably tired?
0: Oh, I have a strong answer. Yeah. So
1: um Well, we will go to bed if we're mad with each other because I totally agree with you, Ali. Like, you need to approach the situation with your emotions um, low. You've got your defences down. um, But during the argument, your defences come up. You're on edge. And so a lot of times, me and you find that that doesn't work. More me. Like, I'll be like, I need time. I need to walk away from this and need to think about it. And then I can come back. But the one rule we do have is we always... Always, no matter how bad the argument is, and we haven't had a bad argument in like 10 years or something, but no matter how bad the argument actually is, we always, always, always kiss each other goodnight on the lips, even if it's like,
0: yeah, it's so funny. Like when we're pissed, it's so like. But
1: we make sure. But we still do it. <laughs> we still do we it. literally we made this like we almost I don't even remember when we made that commitment to each other. But we definitely we have said to each other, no matter what, when we go to bed, we kiss each other on the lips, and we always say I love you to each other. And again, sometimes it's like love you. But we make sure we do it. I don't know. It just it forces you to remind yourself mm. of. The other person is a real human being. You really do love them. Do you
0: forget that about yeah, me sometimes,
1: sometimes? Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean. So, like right. that's um, so. But I totally agree with um, Ali. I, I don't think that you you force a discussion if you're not ready. Because yeah, I don't even know where worse. that started.
0: Like, are people worried the other person's going to die in the yeah, middle I, of the night? Yeah, to like, be honest,
1: growing up, that's what I heard. Like, but if they don't wake up. It's like, man, if you don't wake up at our age, like, we've done something wrong. You're way worse
0: than leaving the house. Like, if you said, we never leave the house until, like, we finish. Because people are going to die, like, driving or walking. The chances of them dying in their sleep are infinitely lower.
1: And we've never, like, not slept in the same bed with each other. For that reason, I was going to say
0: that's a lie. If
1: you're sick, you go into the next room. But I'm yeah. saying for argument purposes, yeah, I don't even understand never, that. We've never, but people do. I mean, I think it's maybe having that physical distance allows them to bring yeah, down. Yeah, I mean, their... I guess
0: no judgment, right? But it just seems like ah, this is how you get yourself into trouble. Plus,
1: then you think if you woke, you were... did
0: like fix that, so you stopped.
1: I know, it. sorry, um, but don't you think though that if you. Didn't sleep with each other. So let's say, for instance, we got into an argument and we slept in separate beds, which we've never done, but I know people do do that. For me, I think when I woke up, it would just remind me, yeah, you were pissed with him and that's why you're not in the same bed.
0: great point.
1: Whereas I think that if you were lying next to me, I don't know, like that morning, like I so love smelling your neck. Yeah, that's the other thing. Like Like, I'm telling
0: you, they're like, they're pheromones, um... Just the proximity, uh, like hearing their breathing. Like I bet there's a yeah, certain degree of synchronicity yeah. you get into sleeping mm-hmm. next to somebody. Like the way that women's periods like sync up when they're together in the same house. Ah, just my gut instinct is the proximity effect is probably important. I am totally making that up. I want to make that abundantly clear. But that's just like my gut instinct. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I think that, I, I mean, I feel like that too.
0: Yeah, but that's like, a great point about waking up and being like, wait, why aren't they, oh, that's right, I'm pissed. Like, actually reminding yeah, yourself that you're Yeah, and then when off.
1: you remind yourself you, you're pissed, you kind of then go, why was I pissed? Oh, yeah, that's right. Right,
0: but you had to dig for it, which you wouldn't have otherwise. Right, yeah. because you
1: wake up, I lean over, if you're lying next to me, I smell you, you're always very, you know, like, kind of... Um, low-key let's say in the morning up, yeah. <laughs> so the fact that you're kind of just you know your emotions aren't heightened and it just allows us to kind of relax and then we'll be like okay like do you want to talk
0: 100 so, that would be you but yeah
1: that would be me yeah um someone's asked um lk Elliott wants to know where is your tattoo it's driving me crazy <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh it is on my right shoulder
1: <laughs> yeah and you're not we you don't want to show people it
0: um, it's interesting because you, like, would parade me around. It would be on the homepage <laughs> of our website if uh, I would let you. And I'm weirdly private about it. I'm not sure why. It's always felt like it's for me. Like, I didn't do it for show.
1: Mm. So That's true. I yeah. hear that. It's
0: on my right shoulder. Like And look, if I'm at a pool or something, it's out. I'm not, like, <laughs> I don't try to cover it. But I, I never... Um, Show people. Yeah. Unless, you know, I mean, if somebody was like, oh my God, please, can I see it? I wouldn't be like, no. But (laughs) like right now, I'm not going to show it.
1: All right. All right. So Matt Wireman asks Lisa has said she needs to walk away. How does Tom know to accept that that is her MO? That is, I get angry and can't talk, but my wife likes to talk it through. Or better, how does one get better at not letting anger disengage them?
0: Those are two very different questions, and I would say until you get to the point where you actually don't um, experience the anger for very long, it is a way better strategy to do whatever you need to to dissipate that neurochemistry. Um, So Lisa and I do the same called giving the keys to the kingdom. So in an emotionally sober moment, you would go to your wife and say, I totally understand that you want to stay engaged and all that, but the keys to the kingdom for my behavior to get me back to neutral is to give me time to walk away, like give me that space and then I'll come back. Because if you're trying to deal with the situation in an emotionally charged um, place where your brain chemistry isn't right, that, that is like suboptimal conditions. Like it just doesn't make sense. Um, so way better if, you're, if your goal is actually to resolve the issue, then way better to wait until everyone's neurochemistry is rebalanced. If your goal isn't that, then you need to assess like what's really going on. I'm going to guess the reason that your wife wants to stay engaged is she doesn't like the way she's feeling and she believes that the surest path to that is resolution in the argument. That is certainly why um, because I didn't want to disengage and when we were much younger, we would like get caught over that because I would want to keep going because I didn't like the way I was feeling and I wanted to resolve it because I believed if I could convince you how wrong you were and Mm. you could finally see and understand the truth um, that everything would be okay and of course like that is exactly what was pissing you off is you were like my point of view is also valid and so us like sort of going at it at a time where Neither of us can see chemically, neither of us can see the other person's point of view. It just doesn't make sense. So, um, yeah, so when you're emotionally sober, give the keys to the kingdom to each other. Um, And because, like, even if her real goal is resolution, her emotions will dissipate over time, period. Like, think of it this way even when someone's parent dies, over a long enough timeline that feeling dissipates. Yeah. So the good news is with most arguments that's going to dissipate relatively quickly. Usually a matter of hours, worst case a day, two days like but you're going to be able to come back and talk about it. And so I way think better.
1: It's, I mean, exactly that, but it's how you approach that in the beginning, right? So speaking to your wife and saying, look, I need to walk away to calm down so that I can have the talk that you want me to have. So let's work as a team. Let's get together. Let's figure out how we handle these situations. Know that I love you, that when I'm walking away, it's not me shutting down because I worry that might also be... Um, an interpretation she may have right is that if a guy is like i don't want to talk about this that they're completely shut down but if you reassure her that hey i'm not shutting down i just need to walk away let give me time i will let you know when i'm ready to have the talk you want to have and then we can really come together and resolve the issue Mm -hmm. Um, and then basing it on like we we have the same goal right? The same goal is to resolve this issue or this problem. But the one thing you need to make sure is you need to make sure you then do have that discussion. Because if you just walk away, say, Hey, you know, give me time. And then you just go, I hope she forgets. I hope we can just brush this under the rug. Then you're not actually giving her what she needs. And now she doesn't trust that when you're going to walk away, you're actually going to come back and do it. Like give her what she needs as well. Yep. So, all right. Um, next question Ah, Jessica Zerzia Z- said, did you live together before marriage? If so, how long? How long did it take you to know what um, know you wanted to be married?
0: Okay, well, so that's all math. Um, we did live together. We lived together sort of, if you were to accumulate all the time that we lived together, because we were in different countries for part of it, uh, we probably lived together, what, for like eight months? Yeah. That's about right. So lived together for eight months, which is about half of um, our relationship up to that point. So we spent half living together, half living apart, and then a good portion, probably 80% of the time that we were in a relationship but apart, we were also apart from a country perspective. Right. So there's very little time where you were here in Los Angeles but not living with me, mm-hmm. which is a whole other conversation. Um, and then how long did it take me to know? Uh, we were together for a year and probably... Oh, no, I proposed after, what, eight months? Yeah. Yeah, so I proposed after eight months, which is crazy. Like, it violates every rule. Not every rule, because you shouldn't marry your high school sweetheart. And I at least didn't do that. I was
1: going to say, that um, was not. But it
0: violated so many of my relationship rules. Um, but for me, the decision wasn't let uh, actually explain it this way. Once I decided to propose, like I really lamented over that decision. So I thought a lot about it. Um, I can't remember, I, I didn't make like I didn't write out a list, but I had a list in my head of like all the things about you that I worried about. Do you remember the number one thing I was worried about?
1: Um. Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Oh, oh I'm so curious oh. to see. Oh, me being sick. Yeah. Yeah.
0: She used to get sick all the time. It was crazy town. And so I was like, can I really be a caretaker like forever? This is
1: not. That's due to my microbiome, but that's a whole other story. Whole
0: another thing. Um, and so I was like, I'm not sure. Like, that was the one. And then I was like, you know what? I, I'm so into this woman. Like, I can deal with it. Yeah. And then, luckily, with the exception of the sort of Black Death year, um, it didn't come to fruition that I'd been a full time caretaker. But. Um, that, that was like, I went through that process. I made sure that I really wanted to do it. Mm -hmm. And then once I proposed, I should say, once I decided I was going to propose, I've been all in from that day.
1: Yeah, it's, but we had a very strange way of dating and getting together. And to be honest, I think the one thing we never really had, but we managed to navigate through it. But I think it's, it was, can be difficult for people is when we lived together, it was never like, um, Most of the time, we were with my mum, so it's like you're not in your own space, just you two trying to figure things out. My mum, you know, bless her, she would do our grocery shopping, so we never had the discussion of whose responsibility that was. Like there was all these things. I think you really do learn um about somebody when you live with them intimately day in and day out and then you figure out also roles responsibilities um you kind of overcome all of those when you get to live together but I think if you don't live together there are things that you will surprise you and not that necessarily for me it would have been a deal breaker but you know one thing can lead to another to lead to another in you know end up not being compatible. So
0: you're saying you should live together? I think for sure you 100%. should live together. Like anything else is madness. Yeah. And I'll just plant a, a stake in the ground. If you don't live together and you don't have sex before you get married, you're, that is so crazy. Yeah,
1: I you're think out it, of your mind. it comes to compatibility.
0: A and B, like it comes to what are all the like things you haven't thought of? Right. Like, it, yeah.
1: But then also like, even if we're not compatible on something, we've been in that situation and then you kind of almost you test each other like how do they handle when you have a conflict Mm. right so it's like if i say to you look look it's really important to me you leave your socks all over the floor and you still leave your socks on the floor it tells me something about you that i've been trying to be honest up front like this is something that's important to me and then you don't reciprocate it may just be socks on the Floor, right. but it tells me something about your character and our relationship and how we overcome problems, and I think that that's a big thing as well. And then, you know, you already said sex, I think that's majorly important. Um, physical attraction, um, all of that word. All right, got another question from
0: you ready for Kevin a really random Smith? thing right before we get to that? Always, so, I love random did you know? That women will predict whether a man is going to be good in bed or not based on how he walks.
1: Like consciously
0: predicts? I don't know if I can say consciously, but this was. So we just had. Homie, please. But not specifically to sex. I. I can't say that. All I'll say <laughs> is that... So we just did an episode with the amazing Vanessa Van Edwards for Impact Theory coming out probably in three or four weeks. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing. Research scientist does all this stuff. And she said that, um, yeah, there's been multiple studies done on how... And God, I think, and now admittedly, we didn't get into this in the episode. This is just something I came across in my research. We never had a chance to talk about mm-hmm. it. And I would love to get her on Relationship Theory. It'd be so amazing. Um, but is... I think it's they can accurately predict whether a man will be good in bed based on how he walks.
1: But I think it's not just walking; like how a guy sits is a big thing. I mean, for I'm just me giving actually.
0: you the studies here. Yeah,
1: that's my that's the way my he study. sits. Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know. Like confidence, right? So it's
0: you think confidence is
1: yeah, because then it just in the
0: way you sit
1: yeah 100%. like you're talking
0: like power posing like, like yeah I'm the way your here.
1: legs are the way your arms are like if you're kind of like a little dweeby wow. and you're like you know uh, and look I'm just at my interpretation right. if a guy's sitting there kind of like this yeah, hunched over language, sure. um, it means he's not confident so now you take that same man in bed do you think he's gonna be Mr. like rambunctious and
0: wow rambunctious <laughs> is what we look for is it <laughs> Let me write that down.
1: (laughs) But you know what I mean. It just means that he necessarily he probably won't be confident in bed. So, um, and look, I just
0: so you're you call bullshit on the study. No, not at all. They don't know what they're doing. Not
1: at all. I'm saying it's not. I don't think it's isolated to just walking. I think it's body language in general. It's the way you present yourself. Um, I think it's with clothing. I think it's with the way you talk. Yeah, yeah, sure.
0: I think they were trying to boil it down to like how quickly and from what. Like, what's the least thing that you could get it from? But I'll be sure to let her know that you don't buy into the research.
1: (laughs) She was an amazing guest. Amazing. Um, All right, so the next question. By Kevin M. Smith. Do you think that once a couple begins to get serious, that it is a good idea to discuss how they behave when they are upset or angry? What they need in order to resolve conflict and ground ground rules for conflict is a good idea? Question mark. And if ground rules is a good idea, go ahead.
0: You want me to go first? Yeah. 100%. Got to have rules of engagement. Mm-hmm. I think the more areas that you have specific, discussed, and agreed upon rules of engagement, mm-hmm. the better off you're going to be. That is so critical. Um, and that's one of the things. Like, if somebody said, okay, beyond sort of the obvious things like compatibility and all that that you guys have, like, what's the secret to your longevity? I would say... Getting specific about what over-communication means. So communication has for sure been the key, but the thing about our communication, like getting down into the weeds, is defining terms, creating rules of engagement, giving the keys to the kingdom. Like, so keys to the kingdom, we already discussed, uh, which is like telling the other person when you're emotionally sober how to deal with you when you're not emotionally sober mm-hmm. and like what's going to be the thing that calms you down, gets you back to neutral, um, defining terms, What does important mean? What does I promise mean? Like, what are those things? So that when the other person says it, like, and they think they're being super direct and you feel like, well, you never said, um, so those words need to be defined. You need to have sort of magic words, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, uh, rules of engagement, like, so how do we deal with X, Y, Z? Um, and I think there's so many areas of your life that need that certainly like conflict resolution because somebody earlier had asked like, I like to disengage, she wants to stay engaged, mm-hmm. like how do we deal with that? And if you've agreed about it ahead of time, then it's, it becomes much easier because the other person knows, like you were saying, this isn't me like shutting down because I don't care, this is me, I need to get back to neutral so that this can be productive.
1: Right, and um, speaking of like love languages, right? What's gonna rub someone the wrong way? Because let me tell you, if you know certain words, it's going to rub the other person the wrong way. Don't use them in an argument unless people actually want to do the dig. Yeah,
0: but, but then you're yeah. like just escalating things. Right, exactly. Yeah, that's but that's point. what
1: I mean, like understanding that person and the language that they mm-hmm. use so that if you are in that situation, like just don't use it.
0: Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And something that I, um, I think we've done a good job of, even when we're pissed, we don't jab at the other person.
1: Yeah. I think one time you said to me you're being bitchy and I got so upset and you're like but I didn't call you a bitch cuz I was like you call me a bitch and you're like I didn't call you a bitch I said you were being bitchy and I was like but even that like it really upset me. Right. And um if you think, I if like, okay, rephrase the word, I think you're being mean, okay, cool, I can live, but for whatever right. reason for me, that word, I just don't like it, it made me feel like you were calling me a bitch, even though you weren't, right. um, but I just owned up to that, and I was like, this word I don't like, um, and so you've obviously never said it again, and then it, it actually was interesting, though, to remind myself of, like, why don't I like being called a bitch? Because being a bitch isn't nice. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like, it kind of reminded me, like, okay... What so a shocking st- <laughs> interpretation. <laughs> No, Thank I mean, you for it, that. it reminds you, like, don't do that because right. you don't want to be perceived like that because you don't like that word. Right. I don't know. It kind of has like a hmm. knock on effect.
0: It's interesting. And I mean, I guess this is maybe like a power play thing, but if you were like, you're being a dick, it wouldn't yeah, have that. It's not a it's trigger a for me. Woman thing. Yeah.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm going to guess the answer One, is
1: yes. Yeah. I want to know if uh, other female. Out there for the I same? will tell you
0: right now. Yes, they do very much. And hashtag again, I did not say she was a bitch just for the <laughs> record because I can already feel this one spiraling out of control.
1: <laughs> no, you didn't. Or even and in fact, so speaking of, again languages, the see you next Tuesday word. Yeah, I literally it's the one word I'll never say like and you've asked. Have well, you never I'm, said it? I might have.
0: You would to like.
1: I get a I sparkle in your
0: eye to me. Yeah,
1: but I kind of did it like, you did, I, yeah. I did, but here's the thing that because you know that word, if you feel so strongly against some, a woman who has done something that is like that, right. you will specifically use it to me and you'll emphasize it so that I know exactly how you feel. Sure. All right, let's get to some questions. Uh, what has been, this is from Matt Wyman again, what has been the single best discipline you have used to strengthen your relationship, both individually and together?
0: The single best discipline? Yeah. Uh, I'm not quite sure I don't interpret that, but the, so tactics maybe? Um, what are the tactics that we use? Communication is the obvious, yeah. sense, but let's try to give people something yeah. a little bit more than that um proximity like that's a big deal making sure that we spend time together that's been really really important i don't think there's any substitute for proximity just to make it really clinical i think you have to like be together and that's one of the secret star success has been you know when you talk about growing together um that's a big one. So, we started out, I worked all day, you didn't. And that was us very much going in separate directions. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, when we started working together, uh, that was one thing, but like I was the boss and you were the employee. So, it, like, there wasn't necessarily the balance in that. And then, now truly being equals in the company, like, that's been awesome. That's been a really great way for us to put in the time, be together, have the same, share a vision, um, share just like the, the dream of exactly what we're trying to build. Like there's so much togetherness and all of that. That's been great. And I know that is certainly not something that everybody can accommodate with their lives, uh, but that's been really, really beneficial. So um, if we didn't have that, like my recommendation to couples would be to have something that's goal oriented. So let's say um, being dance partners or something like that. In fact, this is really interesting. If you and I were going to be dance partners, I'd want to try to win something. And then, like, in that, because you're going to... It's like the same thing, the same reason. It's interesting that you're not sure why I would want that. Because
1: um, you're so not competitive, even when we not play at all. games. So
0: watch me in this. This is why. <laughs> Suffering is useful because it forces you to come up with tactics. If we were trying to win something... In fact, what are you talking about? Video games. Like, I'm, we're so competitive That's when we're true, playing.
1: actually. But I guess when we play games with the family, like, you do like to win, but you're not, like... Like my family, my brother and your sister are so competitive where they'll like start scratching out people's eyes just so they can win. But (laughs) But you're like, I don't care. I would like to say
0: even with that, I've won the Christmas cup twice. The funny
1: thing is you absolutely have, but there's not that like.
0: It's not my highest value. That's the reason. Like, so when I go into something, as long as I'm having fun, as long as I'm enjoying the family, like, I'm all for it. Yeah. But below that, I love winning. Like, that's really fun. It's a great way to test your skills and, like, um, but with the video games, like, I am playing to win every time. And so there's this one part of the game that you never play that's, like, really hard. And you're playing against just, like, the best people that play the game. And... I always put that I go to the casual. So there's two places you can play, like competitive and casual. You're playing the same people. So it's just a question of do your teammates expect you to be amazing or are they going to tolerate that you're just there to have fun? Now, I'm there to win. Let's make no mistake about it. But I always go to casual because my skill set is just not – like people would freak out if they got me on their team in a competitive-like space. They'd not be pleased. Um, And – But I'm the only one that's like there to win. Like when you talk to the other people, they're like, oh, I can't believe like people take this so seriously and stuff. And I'm like, I don't understand. Like, why would you hate on that? Like, yes. Okay. We got our asses handed to us. Yes. The people that we're playing against have clearly practiced and they're very good. But isn't that the idea? Like if you're going to show up, if you're going to spend an hour, be the best you can be in that hour. Like, nothing else makes sense to me. Okay. So...
1: How does that tend to dancing the So, with...
0: You'll have to come up with the mechanisms to deal with that. Oh, like, I what see. happens when you lose? Right. Do you, like... And the other person turns to you, like, and has intensity and is like, hey, we need to figure this out. Like, we need to try to do this. Like, you're going to have to learn how to deal with that. Mm. Right? For instance, I... If there was there was a certain game, I would get so pissed off. So we play as a fire team, it's me Lisa and my sister Kim. So we'd be in a fire team. I would get so pissed off like if we lost oh, yeah. and so finally, but to me, like it it isn't anger, like anger about injustice or like fighting with somebody. It's just that I can't oh, fuck, I can't believe I did. I'm so mad, but I'm having a blast, like I'm having such a good time like to have been on the competitive stage and tried and lost, like yeah. so I'm externalizing like you know, frustration and anger, yeah. but, like, I'm having such a good time, yeah. and you guys were like, we can't have fun when you do that. Well, no,
1: because you can't. <laughs> so, yeah, this is actually really interesting, because we work together. Obviously, right. we've been married for a while, but playing video games kind of introduced a different dynamic between us, and so when we're playing, and if we, lo- like, if we're losing, you're like, Lisa, what the hell are you doing? Like, you need to stay right behind me. I told you to go, you know, to stay behind and shoot when I shoot, and- You yelling and just being that intense, like I'm just like, if you're not having fun, then don't play, but don't like force me to do it. And so I then start getting like, I don't enjoy it because I want to feel like, ha ha, look, you just messed up. And even though I want to win, it's like just a different way of approaching it. So,
0: and so in that going back to the dancing, I've had to learn, even though that and you're definitely misrepresenting what I do. I speak very intensely and I will give you that, but I'm not like screaming, what are you doing? Um, But I've had to realize when I externalize like that, even though internally I'm still having a great time, Mm -hmm. I'm just really intense, Mm -hmm. that doesn't play for you and Kim. So I've had to like change my language and adapt, which makes me think like there's a difference between how you feel and want to communicate and be communicated to, And how the other person can actually hear you. Mm -hmm. So, things like that give you the tools that you need in all the other aspects of your life. So, I think the like heightened, not stress, but like the elevated intensity and seriousness of a competition is actually interesting for sussing out like how you work together and deal with, yeah, yeah, like I think. And it's funny that I was saying that, forgetting that we actually already have that in our lives, which yeah. is interesting. And how like, that's actually become a big part of our quality time, yeah, is we, being competitive yeah. about yeah, something, that's true. which is really interesting.
1: But we're not competitive against each other. No, we're, always we're always on the same, on the same team. team. Yeah. Always. Um,
0: I would get exactly zero joy from beating you. Right. Um, and there is one part of the game which we've played a few times where I'll actually let you kill me to make sure that you get like I, your bounties true, and stuff yeah. like that. And that actually makes me happy. Yeah, But um, yeah, killing you in a, in a game would bring me no joy. I
1: still though, like, because you get chart, you know, like um, positioned. Mm. So even though we're in the same team, we do then have a position within that team. And like, I do find joy though when I get to number one you and should. I beat you.
0: Rightly so. Yeah. That, and I totally get that. And because you're
1: that. sweet about it, it makes me like proud that I got to number one. Otherwise, I feel This is feel really, really interesting. Guilty.
0: So this is really interesting because I want to beat you. Yeah. Like on our team, right? Yeah. Like I want to be at the top right. and I feel absolutely fantastic when yeah. I'm at the top. Yeah. And at the same time, I love it. Like when you crush and while I'm like crestfallen that I have not done better, yeah. I'm so stoked for you because right. you performed and really killed it and crushed it. That is such an interesting thing that I really force myself to feed into, to to be actively proud, to vocalize my pride to you when you do well. But at the same time, when I crush, like I'm going to own it. Like I crushed it, like I'm so stoked to have won. And when people can get into that zone, I think that's really important. And the last thing I would, you can't imagine how gross I would find it if you felt you had to lose to me. Mm. Like... Oh, that's so emotionally weak when somebody can't like, tolerate that. And look, I can say that as somebody who used to be like that. And I've talked about this ad nauseum. I actually thought you would only find me sexy if I could beat you at everything. But, and t- get to the physics of human psychology, no one wants to lose at everything. Yeah. Nobody ever. So that just didn't make sense.
1: But someone but right. also wants to feel like you have someone that is championing you so much that they want to see you win. And you talk right. about that a lot, right? Like, with the team here, with any of your friends, like, you just want to see people win. And that was really powerful for me to see. Um, I mean, and you do it all the time with me, but for whatever reason, the whole, the Shiroik podcast was really a big thing for me. You were, because I don't know, like, you just you took it to a new level in making me feel like you were my biggest fan and you would tell everyone that you would meet and you were so supportive and so encouraging. And then on the day of our release, like, you were so... It was about, like, I'm so proud of my wife. And that was so genuine. And I felt like I had someone who wanted to see me win. And with couples, I think that's so important. Like, you had put yourself aside, like, nothing... I'm not even thinking about myself. I'm not thinking about anything except I want this person to succeed. And I think if you can do that with your partner and let go of any emotions you may have, whether it's in a competition on a video game or or in something you know in life, just putting them first and saying, I believe in you so much and I really want to see you succeed gives a support that I don't know how to replicate other than that. Like be be your partner's biggest cheerleader. Mm. So powerful.
0: Super important.
1: Um, I so, mean, that's
0: like the core to me of relationships. Be yeah. somebody's number one. Yeah. And I'm always grateful when I have an opportunity to prove you're my number one.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. And I just think that it's a quality people should. Nurturing themselves to want other people to have a chance to shine mm-hmm. like you've got to want other people to have a chance to shine and you can by rewarding yourself and punishing yourself you can get to the point where it's like maybe that's not your default position maybe you just like you've got first of all shining is awesome so everybody wants to shine mm-hmm. winning is awesome for sure for sure but you have to also train yourself to be able to like know this isn't my time to shine. This is their time to shine. Let them shine. And I don't know, I've never understood people that can't like take a back seat for a minute and let mm. somebody else just like be the absolute center of the universe.
1: And I think that's a good test for people. Like look at your partner, look at what is important to them and meaningful to them. And then what can you do to make them feel like you are their number one fan? Right, whether it's like obviously for you, you posted on social, and that was a really meaningful thing for me. Um, you know, it was you shouting from the rooftops. Which going back to when you proposed, so he proposed to me at um, Alexandra Palace in London, is one of the highest points you can ever no, know.
0: The highest the point, the highest in point,
1: except for like in a building, I yeah, think that's what I mean. But so, you basically were like, I love this woman so much, I want to shout it from the rooftops, and so it has to be meaningful. You're like, hang on a minute, a place where you can see all the rooftops. So, you would propose at Alexandra Palace that has this beautiful view of London, and so that metaphor really kind of came together. But what is that version for other people? Like, what is you letting that person know that you're screaming from the rooftops that you're their number one fan and you want them to succeed? I think that that person would really um, reciprocate it, like feel special. And mm. I think that could be huge. No question. So we're pretty much out of time. I figured. Yeah. The one thing, though, that I wanted to... Um, we're always talking about our relationship and things that we discover about each other and techniques and stuff like that. And this trip to London and to Cannes was so um, meaningful on so many different levels. But I came out of it with a couple of things that I was like, wow, we, I just like felt a different emotion or learned something new. One was you basically screaming from the rooftops of how proud you were of me and that that support that I had. I was like, you know what? I mean, obviously, I want the podcaster to succeed and just crush it and have an impact and have an effect on young women out there. But even if it didn't, I was so chuffed and proud of how you were about me. So like, that was so touching and meaningful to me. Nice. Um, and then, so in fact, there's three things. So then the second thing was putting into action when you're we have the same goal and one person isn't necessarily fulfilling it so I had said to you um, one of the guys I think it was actually Matt had turned around to me and said to me like oh are you doing this it was some other social media platform and I was like oh my god Matt like I can't even keep up right now like one step up at a time like I've just started getting on an IG story like and you turned around and you said stop fucking whining man up like literally he didn't even miss a beat you just said like literally as I'm like just trying to make all these reasons of why I haven't touched oh, it was Twitter mm. I haven't even touched on that platform yet and you literally were like fucking man up stop whining you asked for this you wanted it you want to create impact so don't be lazy get up and and I like initially I was like the first it was stung for about five seconds so I was like oh my god like am I not doing it and then I just stopped that that train of thought. And I was like, he's absolutely right. If you started slacking off for the bigger vision of what we're trying to do and where we're trying to go, I would call you on it. And the fact that you just did it right there, right then in front of somebody else, like I was like, you can't, you've got to let what he's saying sting because it's true, not let it sting because he's your husband. And so I I don't know if you remember. I was like, okay, respect.
0: The thing is, I remember that so well and all of the credit goes to you. If it stung for five seconds, you didn't let it show. Like, you were, you're absolutely right. You turned on a dime and were like, 100%, I'm on it.
1: But I almost used that sting to remind myself, like, it's stinging because right. it's true, sure. right? It's like when somebody's, like, really upset over something you said, like, maybe you have to analyze why you're so upset, right? Right, like, is there some truth to it, and that's then you're like pushing back even harder. And I, my instinct, the sting, my instinct was to push back. Yeah, but you like, didn't really much, th- respect yeah. that. So really, respect and I really respect that. that you called me on it. Mm. So you have to make sure that your partner's willing to hear it because rules of engagement, rules right? Of engagement. I mean, We've talked about this
0: a thousand times. Exactly. So yeah.
1: Yeah. So, but if you can get to that point where you just push enough, just say the right thing enough to help that person realize you're saying it because you care about them, not because mm-hmm. you're just trying to demean them. And sure. that's really where it came from. That's how I felt. You're not trying to make me feel lazy. Right. You're just trying to say, like, look, if this is what you want, like, I'm holding you to the standard that you want to be held in. Um, so, yeah, that 100%. was, that was um, a really cool lesson. And then I knew I was going to forget my other lesson. The third one. Yeah.
0: All right. Anyway. Well, then we'll tap out there. Okay. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. This was a great episode. I really enjoyed this one. hope you guys did as well. As always, if this content is adding value to your life, please do share it. And if you haven't yet checked out the Sheroic podcast with Lisa Bilyeu and Cassie Ho, be sure to check it out. It is amazing. You guys are going to love it.
1: And please follow us on our socials at Be
0: Nice. Everywhere. And um, I'll bite her eyes later. Because she should have also reminded you guys to follow her at at Lisa Bilyeu. So, you word. need to
1: teach my I'm not yes. in that
0: yet. At, at Lisa Bilyeu. Amazing social content. She's even going to be on Twitter. Uh, oh, it's going to be amazing. So thank you guys so much for being a part <laughs> of this community. It means the world. If you haven't already subscribed here, be sure to do so. And until next time, my friends, be legendary. Take care. Bye.